the podcast from Belmont Chapel in Exeter, sharing the story, living the life. For more information, go to belmontchapel.org.uk. For those of you who don't know me, well, I guess it's as true if you do, my name is Megan and I am a member here at Belmont. This morning, I get the joy of opening up the next bit of John's Gospel together. We are going to be looking at the very end of John 15 and the beginning of John 16 together. But before we read, I wonder what kind of a person you are when you're preparing to go away. What is your process? Are you a planner, packing list kind of person? Or are you a chuck it in the bag, last minute, out the door? I have a holiday booked for August. And if I'm totally honest, I have packed in my head already about three times. And I have a list on my phone of things to do, things to pack. I am the definition of a planner. I like to be organized. And packing for trips was something that formed a big part of my childhood. So you can blame my parents, really, for how I now approach life. I do. My dad travelled internationally a lot. He was always off to far-flung places around the globe, uninhabited Pacific Islands, that kind of thing. So packing was a fairly regular thing in our household. And if you'd asked me when I was kind of four, five, six... I would have confidently told you that my dad was incapable of packing without me. It was one of my jobs the night before he would go away to fold the clothes with him, to box the equipment and get ready. And he couldn't do it without me. He was incapable of it. And it was always just the two of us. And as we packed, we would talk about everything going in the bag. What was it for? Where was he going? What was he going to do when he got there? What was he going to use it for? And if I'm really honest, those evenings were always times of sadness and worry for me. I was a kid with a pin in a map that that's where dad would be for the next two months. But these times were also really, really special. With my adult brain on, Actually, they were for my benefit, not for his. Probably my help was more of a slowing down hindrance than actual help. But dad was preparing me. Preparing me for what it would be like when he went and I stayed. Yes, we talked about what he would do, but we also always talked about what I would do when I stayed at home. And the best bit, what we would do when he came back. And in today's passage, we see something very similar from Jesus. While he may not be physically packing his bags with his disciples, he is preparing them. He's getting them ready for what will happen when he leaves and they stay, preparing them for everything that will happen next, the good and the bad. So with that in mind, let's read together. 
It's going to be on the screen. If you have a Bible in front of you, we are at the very end of John 15 in verse 26. I'll give you a couple of seconds of scrolling or flicking time. Let's read. The work of the Holy Spirit. When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I've told you this so that when the time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you, but now I'm going to him who sent me. None of you asks me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. How would you feel about Jesus' preparations to leave? If you were a disciple sat listening to the man you have followed for the last few years of your life, readying you for life without him, what would be your thoughts and feelings? Based on the conversation we've just read, I think mine would be confusion. You're going where? Because of what? How can it possibly be better that you go and instead we get the advocate? Who is that? In many ways, the opening verses today are a kind of whistle-stop tour of the Trinity. We read the first sentence, when the advocate comes, who I will send to you from the Father. In one sentence, we have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God in three parts. Now, there simply is not time this morning for me to unpack the theology of the Trinity. But if that's something that you are interested in, by all means, grab me later and I will point you in the work of, in the direction of people far more qualified, for clever, far cleverer than I am to explain some of that. 
For this morning, our focus is on the Holy Spirit, the advocate who Jesus promises. And to help us in that, I'd like us to focus on two things. Having an advocate and being an advocate. Two parts and two calls on our lives if we follow Jesus. So what is an advocate? It's not a word we use very often. I wonder what it conjures up for you. Maybe a kind of TV courtroom with loud lawyers shouting at each other. Maybe climate protesters chained to buildings. The dictionary definitions focus on advice, on defense, on causes. But here today in the Bible, we find something altogether more personal. The Greek word is parakletos, an advocate, a helper, a comforter, someone who is called to come alongside someone else. This spirit of truth who goes out from the Father is to be someone who draws alongside the disciples and who draws alongside us. And I think if the disciples could start to tune into what Jesus is saying, they might start to see a glimpse of something that they want. In a time of change, in a time for them when the world is about to get turned completely on its head, what better than the spirit of truth to draw alongside you? But what will having that advocate mean? Jesus is very clear in this passage that the work of the Spirit will be twofold. He will be an advocate for Christ. He will testify about me, is what Jesus says. But he will also be an advocate for Christ's followers. He will guide you into all the truth. In other words, the work of the Spirit isn't actually to do anything new, but to speak of what Jesus will have accomplished in his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. When the Spirit comes, he will declare all that Jesus has done. The work of the Spirit isn't to bring a new revelation, but to speak into the one that has already happened. The advocate is to prove what will already have happened. Sin will have been defeated. Righteousness will reign. Judgment will be born. The devil defeated. The role of the spirit of truth then is to talk about Jesus who is the truth. Charles Spurgeon puts it much better. He says the chief office of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Christ. The role of the Spirit is to be Christ-exalting, gospel-applying, new covenant-fulfilling, sin-convicting, Satan-defeating. His role as an advocate here is to speak and prove that all that Jesus said would happen 
happened, that it was the truth. And more than that, his role is to do the same for anyone who follows Jesus, guiding them into all truth too. But what does that look like? On Friday, ironically, actually, while putting the finishing touches to this for today and dealing with what we'll describe as a bit of a day, there were a handful of people, two or three, running through my mind as those kind of, I wish you were here. If you were in the room now, it would be okay. If only you were within huggable distance, today would be much better. And I think that's one of the keys to today's passage. I think that's why, maybe surprisingly, Jesus says it is better that he is going away, that it is for there and are good, so that the advocate will come. Because we read stories of huge crowds clamoring for Jesus' attention. We read about people doing everything just to touch the hem of his clothes. Because even God in a human body can't be everywhere for everyone. Whereas the spirit of truth, the advocate who comes, is accessible, available, and with all at all times. There's a a famous story of a channel swimmer who didn't quite make the crossing. If you ask me, that's fair enough. I can't think of anything worse than swimming the channel. I chickened out of going into the water, even a toe at Budley the other day, because there were waves. It seems completely fair enough to me not to make the crossing. Why would you even get in the water? But what's really interesting about her story is that she so nearly made it. We are talking within meters of the French coast. But she couldn't see the end. And so this swimmer turns around to her support boat and goes, no. I'm done. I can't swim another meter. I'm getting out. And every voice in the boat goes, no, seriously, we can see it. Just like two more minutes and you're there. That's the truth. But she can't see it. So she gets out. And I wonder what that moment felt like for her. All the voices had shouted, no, you're there, just keep going. But she couldn't see it. So she gets in the boat and realizes just how close she came. And in many ways, I think that is a useful illustration for the advocate that the disciples and us are offered. A voice of truth, of comfort and encouragement with a far better view than we have. As he guides us in all truth, 
as he makes known to us what he receives from Jesus, he has the view from the boat that says, this is where you are. This is where you're headed, and I can see it, even if you can't. The voice of truth. But it leaves us with a choice. Will we listen and believe in what we cannot yet see? Or will we climb back into the boat just meters from where we could have got to? How we hear from the Spirit is certainly a sermon, if not an entire series on its own. And it will be different for each of us. But Jesus is clear that there is a guide, a helper, a comforter and an advocate who he has sent for each of us to speak the truth. To speak of what Jesus did and to speak of what is yet to come. Will we trust that voice? Jesus is the one who, and we've heard it said a lot in the amazing baptisms this morning, Jesus is the one who through his death and resurrection stood in our places. The Holy Spirit isn't one who stands in our places, but one who stands alongside us, advocating for us so that we too might be advocates. Because from the very beginning of the passage, Jesus sets up that there isn't only work to be done here by the Holy Spirit, but also by the disciples. He says, and you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. They are called to join in the work of glorifying Jesus. To join in the work of speaking truth of sharing what they have seen, heard, and experienced of his earthly ministry. And part of Jesus' packing up preparations is to honestly prepare them for the realities of what that will look like, for the consequences that there will be for that. It tells us that they will be sent out of the temple, that they will be isolated, rejected, and killed. This is heavy preparation. Not only will they shortly see Jesus killed, they too will face this threat. And standing where we stand in history, we know that that is true. That many of the disciples, many of the early church were killed for what they believed. And yet, extraordinarily, they never wavered from their belief and their firm conviction that that was true. They never stopped declaring that Jesus was God. As the Spirit from received from Jesus what he made known to them, they continued to make that known to those around them. They continued to be an advocate for Jesus. 
And if you've been around Belmont for any length of time at all, I imagine you will have heard the phrase, living the life, sharing the story from up here. It's something that we believe should be at the heart of our lives as Christians. Living lives that honor, glorify, and follow Jesus. Sharing stories of what God has done and is doing. Now, it wouldn't make as good a tagline. You certainly wouldn't want to put it on a poster. But effectively, what we're saying is that we are called to be advocates. That the call on our lives is very similar to that on the disciples 2,000 years ago. What are we doing with that call? How are we using our voices? Are we advocates for Christ and are we advocates for others? If kind of advocation for others is something you're really interested in learning and leaning more into, I'd really encourage you to catch up with the evening service series that is just coming to a close um, on justice through the book of Amos. That's a really helpful place to start on what that can look like. But as we come to a close this morning, I wonder which you need to know more. That you have an advocate or that you are called to be an advocate. To know more deeply that God is not only in your corner, but is speaking from it. Or to use that to speak up for him and those around you. 2 Corinthians puts it beautifully says our faces then are not covered we all show the lord's glory and we are being changed to be like him this change in us brings more and more glory and it comes from the lord who is the spirit what would it look like this week to show the lord's glory to have an advocate, and to be an advocate. I'm going to pray, and then I'll be honest, I don't have a grid, so whatever's next on the grid will then happen. Um, But let's pray first. Lord, thank you that you are a God who is acting and present, that your spirit is available to each of us. That as we have heard this morning, there are so many stories of what you are doing. And whether we need to know this morning more that we have an advocate, that you stand alongside us. Or that we are called to be an advocate for you and for others. We choose to let you shape this week to let you take our lives and make them into something that glorifies you. Amen.